Can I ask you something? Certainly. Who gives that fuck what you think? This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Fuck the front time, bitch. Everybody, welcome back to an, uh, the continuation of our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective. Today we continue with a two-parter. Well, part one, oh sorry, part two, <laughs> and part three. That's Freddy's Revenge and Dream Warriors. This is a nice all-in-one deal, and obviously we will follow it up with four and five and six and seven and so forth. Uh, before we get started... Uh, I got to do a little shout out to you, to you Trevor. I'm I'm actually kind of impressed here. Okay, which I usually am not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phantasmagoria magazine has been nominated for what they call the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. Is that correct? Yes, we're on the long list, so very flattering. But well, you know what? No, I'm going to cut you off there because I'm going to be rude. Go go ahead. You say long list. Don't slap yourself in the face. It's not a long list. And also, I've looked this this whole thing up. It's pretty impressive, A, that you're on here. So, kudos. Uh, mainly, we know why, because ever since I started writing. Oh, is this true? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a fun uh, an awards. So, they they pick the best of the horror, say, horror fantasy movies, for instance. Yes. They even put Indiana, they even put Indiana Jones on there. Yes. Because it has that fantasy element with the time travel. Yeah, it's basically horror fantasy and science fiction. Yeah, I wouldn't put that one on there, but it's a fun, it's a really fun list. And you talk about the magazines, there's not that many, okay? There's about, we'll say, what, 20, 25, yeah. say. And considering with all the magazines all over the world, that's a pretty short list. And you're in good company. You're in with Delirium Magazine, Film Facts, Fangoria. Yes. Fangoria is the golden child. The Dark Side um, as well, and ones like Rue that. Morgue is on there. Yeah. So don't sell yourself short here. I mean, that's. That's pretty impressive stuff. So a massive shout out, and I, you know, and yeah, it's probably because of my talent. Obviously, that <laughs> um, really enhanced. Yeah, your you know your staying power. <laughs> no, but it it, it is uh, very flattering. But also, I would say as well that um, it is very nice for all of us to get this bit of recognition for our hard work. You know, and that's obviously yourself, Karen. Um, all of the contributors, everyone who you know, the the writers, artists, you know, cover designers, everyone. It it's very very nice um, to get that um, bit of recognition. Yeah, yeah. The Rondo Hatton. Who's Rondo Hatton? Who's that name? He after? was um, an old sort of thirties and forties um, horror film star, basically. That's what I was about to say because the, the the statue looks pretty creepy. Yeah, he, and I hate saying that. He played he played a, a character called the Creeper, I believe, in you know old horror films back back in the day. Um, yeah. So he did back in the Universal sort of era back then. Well, so guys, how it works? You can go onto this the website, the Rondo Hatton. Uh, website. It's pretty much spelled out as it sounds. R-O-N-D-O-H-A-T-T-O-N. Yes. And you can vote. Yes. Anyone can vote. Um, yeah, so you can vote. And they got some cool movies. You got The Crater on there, Evil Dead Rise, yeah. The Exorcist, Fred, uh, Five Night Freddy's, Godzilla, 
Indiana Jones, Knock on the Cabin, Last Voyage of the Detmer, Megan, None Two, Poor Things, Renfield. It's a fun list. It's really a list of successful um, horror films that, that came out um, last year. And you can even add, if you want, you can even pick something that's not mentioned, which is kind of neat. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so, so you if you have read Phantasmagoria, any of our issues, um, and you have enjoyed them, please feel free to hop on to the Rondo Hatton um, website and um, vote for us, if you like. Or, if you haven't, read us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would never say that. <laughs> oh, come on. No, no, I... I, I no. Oh, Mike, don't be this purist now. <laughs> Trevor will give you a certain amount of money. Oh. I'll sell my soul to the devil for, for no. the award. But, <laughs> no. Well, no, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, it, it um, is, it is. And that's great, great, great for the whole team. Too bad they don't do, they don't do podcasts, do they? They do, actually. There is a... Oh, we're not nominated? I know that. But, yeah, I was just going to say to you, so maybe maybe next year there would be a certain um, uh, option suck. to vote for a certain podcast. Citizen Frame. Yeah, Citizen Frame. Yep. What the fuck, certain podcast? Obviously, I'm talking about us, you know? What? Who else would I be talking yeah. about? <laughs> we suck. We don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Speaking of sucking, uh, we're doing Freddy's Revenge. <laughs> yeah. Before, okay, listen, people, we're going to dive into this one. Now, we're going to talk about some of the uh, backstory of this film. And so we're going to be, you know, yeah. So if you're offended, just fucking. Don't listen to us, because uh, we're going to say things that are probably going to come off offensive. And if we do, whoops. All right, there we go. Yeah, so, yeah. I watched this documentary, and it was actually quite interesting. And it was about Mark Patton. He was the star yes. of Freddy 2. And it's called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's actually quite interesting because they interview everybody. Everybody who's in this film was interviewed for it. And it wasn't just some fan-made film. You know? Yeah. It had some street cred. And his whole argument with the film was that the screenwriter, David Chaskin, had all this homoeroticism placed in the film intentionally. But the filmmakers and themselves, the directors and all, had no idea what they were doing. They just went by what was written. They didn't see what what we ended up seeing. Um, I don't believe that, to be honest with you, because there's no way they, I think they the would not have seen would have that. at least known. Yeah, he, Jack Schulber said he did it. But the, 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 the film is about, the documentary is about how you put a man who's still in the closet in this film, and it's because it had this uh, homoerotic backstory or innuendo placed in in the, in the film, it outed him. Yeah. During a time where, sadly, a gay man really couldn't do that, especially if you wanted to be in Hollywood and be a leading man. And also, um, it was during the era of the AIDS, um, sort of, um, you know, the whole scar with the AIDS. Um, yeah. So ob- and obviously there were certain sections of um, you know religious types were saying this is a gay plague, a gay virus, and all you know all this type of thing. Uh, they were yeah. basically yeah, blaming fam- gay people for it. 
Yeah, famously Rock Hudson. Yes. Passed away. He was uh, a big leading man. And even after this, it it um, pretty much killed his career. Yeah. And even his agent says, you're, you're a character actor now. Yeah. You're not going to be able to. Because the way he, he, his mannerisms in the film came off. Well, they're effeminate? They're effeminate, yes. And he, so he kind of blamed the screenwriter for that. And I, I wouldn't blame anybody for it. I just think it was, it should have been, if this was the way the film was going to be shot and intentionally, he should have been more in the loop. Yeah, they, they should have been more upfront with him. Also, exactly. I, 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 on another documentary, The Never Sleep Again, about the, the Nightmare on Elm Street um, legacy, the screenwriter, he talks about how it was meant to be subtext. Um, it's it's a, it's a lot more than subtext. It's overt. You know what I mean? Now, and saying that there, as a kid, watching this, I didn't notice it at all. You know what I mean? It went right you know what? We can, tell, we, we, can have, we, have this conversa- we can have this conversation right now about Top Gun. Yeah, exactly. Same, same, same as Top so, Gun. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so I just want to get that out of the way and say, and then Mark Patton has dealt with a lot of um, uh, issues health wise. Yes, and he's now bounced back. He's going. He's 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 uh, actually had discussions with uh, David Chesky and the director. He's he he's going to comic cons and movie cons and stuff, and he's embraced the care. He's yeah, he's embraced the character, and he's. He's happily married and, and has a little shop and all, so he he's come back and all. Good on well, him. And I hope he well, it's an interesting the conventions and all as well. You know, because of this, obviously derailing his career. Yeah, and 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 the good thing about it, now it's a good time for him to celebrate. And so maybe it's you know maybe he'll yeah he'll he'll get get a little something back on it and hopefully he does and he should. Yeah. And uh, but with that being said, we're about to talk Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two. Uh, Freddy's Revenge, and we're about to tear the shit out of this film because <laughs> it is terrible. So there, I, we were nice. We talked about it. Mark Pat, we wish you the best. Uh, <laughs> congrats, congrats on your second career, and I hope, I hope, like I said, I hope you make a lot of money. But I'm sorry, buddy, we're tearing you to shreds. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna, I, well, just just from the outset, I'm going to say that um, I, there's some good. No, no, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Go ahead. There's, there's okay. no point in giving my review right at the start. <laughs> Yeah, well, we we're both guilty of that. Yeah. I just said it. We're tearing this fucking thing <laughs> apart. Um, what what made Freddy the Nightmare on Elm Street so good was that it was, you know, less is more. And you didn't know much. You, you knew the basic who Freddy was, and he wasn't barely in the film. He was only in it for a little bit. So he he was always in the shadows. Yeah, like the best villains are the ones that are used sparingly. Like Darth Vader, for example. Yeah, um, and this one goes in a completely different direction. Um, this is directed by Jack Shoulder. Now, Jack Shoulder is a New Line guy. He actually was in one of New Lines. He directed one of New Lines' first films back in the early eighties. Actually, quite good guys. It's got Donald Jack Palance, Donald Pleasance, and Martin Landau in it, mm-hmm. and they play psychotics. And it's called Alone in the Dark. You should check it out. It's actually quite I good. I know of it. Yeah, I don't. I, can't, I don't know if I've seen it. I don't think I have, but I know of it. It's actually featured in the film. Mm. Um, and then he did a film with the worst actor of all time, uh, uh, McLaughlin, your boy. Kyle McLaughlin's fantastic. Don't, don't fucking um, dare. He did a he did a movie right after this called The Hidden. Yes, actually, I remember the Hidden. It's, yep. it's actually kind of like a 
body snatchers mm-hmm. kind of film. You should actually check it out. It's actually kind of decent. It's, it's during that was that camp night of the comet. Yeah, you know, that, that camp era that all these films were coming mm-hmm. out. Um, but yeah, so he's on board to direct this one, and uh, it it did well at the box office. But once people watched it again <laughs> and again, they start realizing this is not your average Freddy film. All right, this one we got Mark Patton, Kim Myers, our boy Robert. We have Marshall Bell, who's actually probably the like the funnest character yep. in this. Robert Rushler, who's actually quite decent. Hope Lang and Clue Gallagher, which are nice to see as the parents. And then Carrie. That's pretty much it. You got a very small cast in this what, one. What about the bird? Um, are you going to credit the bird? <coughs> no, oh, Jesus, what a horrendous <laughs> scene. Um, Jesus, what a bad scene. Um, now, this was kind of uh, taking everything that Wes wrote about and throwing it out the window. And I thought about it, and first I was angry with it because you're destroying the source material, which a good sequel should never destroy the source material. It should add to it, not destroy it, and not, you know, retcon it in any way. This does it completely. However, I do like that Freddy wants to become kind of human to attack these people, and in order for him to do that, it's he's got to possess. Somebody. I agree, and, and I, I think I it's, kind of yeah. like that idea. Yeah, I I really like the idea, and I think it's good that after the events of the first film, Freddy is weak. You know, after you know Nancy defeated him basically, and so to sort of come back and you know kill more kids basically, he uh, his only option is to possess another kid. You know, in this case, Jesse. Exactly. Um, it's a good idea. So I. I, I yeah, it's a good idea, but the execution's terrible. Um, At times, yeah. There's some good stuff in this. I, I'm going, and I, I, I have to admit that I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as I remember it, but there is some stuff there that's, you know, like they do break the rules a lot, um, Wes's rules. You know, now, now, regarding Freddy, the whole sort of, you know, the later on the pool scene where um, Freddy's now in our world, um, you know, he comes into our world in the first one, but he is dragged into it by Nancy. Um, whereas in this one, there's no explanation given for it. Yeah, it's... Well, it does work for the film, and it's the... I'm going to say really the only glowing is the, uh, the visual effects. Oh, yeah. Well, I was just thinking about the series as a whole. One of the real highlights of, of the series is the groundbreaking superb practical special effects including in this one yeah yeah the, the metamorphosis scene's really good they got some good stuff let's jump into it actually let's talk about the beginning with the bus yeah um i do like how they get stuck in the middle of this you know during this earthquake or whatever it's and hell. They're actually in the portal of hell yeah. and you've got and they're and the bus is stuck on these rocks done by miniatures and stuff but i'm a fucking i love my own miniatures yeah. and i do i do think that was fun and he wakes up screaming obviously um, and uh, the mom wakes him up, and he's and, and God love Mark Patton. He's definitely a scream queen. <laughs> um, he made I think he made the joke. Um, why are there scream queen kings? Yeah, and he's, he's not wrong. Well, there's sort of the, he would be he'd he'd be one of the first. Yeah. But there's sort of as now where uh, Bruce Campbell's claimed he's a scream queen king. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
But, um, but I think King. But Mark Patton would have done. Mark Patton probably would have done it first. <laughs> well, you got you got you got a series of them, I suppose. Yeah. It has to be a slasher kind of thing. Yes. I never thought thought that you would do a slasher. No, they're, no, they're not. But, um, but, um, but Bruce Campbell's Ice has become that sort of iconic eighties character, like sort of even though he's yeah. a, good, a good guy. But he's become iconic, like Freddy and Pinhead and Jason and Michael Myers and stuff. You know. Yeah, I do like some of the uh, when they're in the breakfast scene. I do like the parents in this in the first. Yes, part. they're good. I think they're kind of fun. And I like that. Again, uh, yeah, that's Clue Gallagher. Yes. He just passed. He was in his hundred, I think. Right. Uh huh. He's working all the way to his dying day. Yeah. He's he's got his family's in the business. I think his kids are in the business. Yeah. So. Kudos to him for that. No, he's, he's good fun as the dad, the sort of grumpy dad who's, you know, always, you know, um, he's like old school, you know, where his son is obviously sort of gay, but his dad doesn't understand. Um, where his dad thinks, you know, he, I think there's one scene where he says he just needs a good slap around, the, um, a good kick up the butt. That's what it is, you know. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, obviously, you know, there's a bit more than the sort of coming out um, thing. There's a Freddy Krueger, which is a metaphor for the coming out. But yeah, but he, no, he's very good as a dad. Yeah. Uh, well, they're they're the more classically trained actors. Yes. Um, Carrying it, so, sort of thing. Exactly. You have to get that because you did have John Saxon from the last exactly. one. Exactly. Um, and you had Ronnie Brakely, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but um. I never understood Freddy himself and his M.O. and why he's so slow at killing. Yeah, there's Cause particular in, in, scenes in, the, in, this. in the last one, he played, maybe because he likes to toy with his food. Yeah, I don't know. But, but the, there's why does he just go in the dream and kill him and walk away? Yeah, exactly. It, well, it's obviously to um, the film will be over in five minutes, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. there, there's a particular scene later on in the kitchen of where he's attacking Lisa, uh, even at the, in the finale uh, at the boiler house, you know, um, the, the building site type set, uh, where it's like, like Freddy is really fucking useless at killing. You know what I mean? It's like she, yeah. she, she gets away so easy, you know, and he should have had her bumped off like in seconds. You know, he's not very effective, certainly in this one as a killer. Yeah, he, he fucks about too much basically. <laughs> I think one of the best scenes in Freddy Krueger, all the Freddies, is in this film. Which one? The unpacking the boxes scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. That is just... Yeah. Yeah, I mean... And, the, and Mark Patton says, I did not want to do this. Risky business that we're playing on. You know, the dance yeah, scene in that. It, it doesn't work. No, it's cringe-worthy. Wow, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just to, just to add to the whole sort of, you know, uh, it's not subtext, it, it, it's uh, overt, you know, sort of, you know, homoerotic um, stuff. He even has a sign in his door saying, no checks allowed. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and the sad thing is, this this whole scene, the unpacking scene, was just to be able to play on Finding Nancy's Diary. Yes, I know. Yeah. Um, it could... I mean, for the filmmakers not to see what they were doing, I'm sorry, they're playing dumb. I, I can um, understand the studio execs who weren't maybe hands-on. No, Jack Shoulder, the director, says he, um, which is bullshit. The DP said he didn't see it. The, even the, well, the actors I get because they're not in every scene. Yeah. 
and they don't see the final cut. Again, the dance scene, but, he even got that. I don't know, it's like a stick thing where he, he's playing around with it as if it's his dick and all, you know what I mean? Come on, like, you know what I mean? I know it was, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's blatant. Although, again, like I say, it's, you know, um, as a kid watching this, it went right over my head, but these, these guys knew <laughs> on the set, you know. So they they bought this house, and this is obviously Nancy's house. Yes. This is five years later after the first yes. one. Why the fuck did they buy the house with the bar still on it? <laughs> <laughs> or why didn't whenever the, yeah why didn't they take the bars off? Um, like as soon as they bought the house, you know the dad says now that it as explained later on where the dad you know clue says that um well, he says to the wife well why do you think we got it so cheap you know because they're talking about you know the crazy girl that lived there and Johnny Depp getting murdered across the street, you know. Uh, we go, yeah, well, got a good deal. Well, you know, why else? Yeah, got a good deal. But, uh, yeah, why didn't the first thing you would do moving into your new house would be, well, it's one of the things that would put you off. There's fucking bars in the window. You would remove the bars. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the stuff that they, they really should have played on better was the relationship. And this is more of the <laughs> Iceman Maverick relationship is Ron and Jesse. Yeah, greedy. Like yeah, they're both, you know, they're. You know they're they both play off each other well. Really good, and I actually. thought they 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 could have utilized that better. Yeah, um, I know for budgetary reasons or I can't remember what happened. They his death sucks. It's so boring. <laughs> All it is is him screaming. Yeah, but um, it, it's something that was there. I think the the coach was quite funny. Marshall Bell is funny oh, yeah. than anything. I like Marshall Bell. Dirt, what does he call them? Dirt bags or dirt balls or something. Yeah, and though that though, that the comedic element that is in this is quite fun. Yeah, and those three are the the fun part, the coach and the, and their their friendship, and you do see it blossom a bit. And I, I too bad, it's it's overshadowed by the, the we got the Lisa uh, the the gay bar they're coming into. Oh yeah, the S and M bar. You got yeah. you've got the shower scene where he gets whipped. <laughs> Uh, you got, and then you got there's per, you got Lisa in the mix here, yeah. who is completely wrong for this, and that's not her fault. Well, Mark Patton himself said that um, the Lisa character is the male character, and he's playing the female character in the traditional sense of a horror film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, makes sense, I suppose. She even saves um, the day. She even saves him. Yeah, yeah, she could be the scream queen technically, because the scream queen does live. Yeah, well, although she's more like the male lead. You know? Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very cute, too. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack with this film. Yeah, that's another thing. You're introduced to a couple, like, Carrie for a second. Yeah. And then you're introduced to the... You just... It's very... Like... Uh, I don't know. It's just, a, it's just a mosh pit. And some of it works and some of it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, Wes Craven made a great comment. He goes, there's no consistency here. No... It's not coherent. It's a bunch of scenes he says, together. It's just, it's just a bunch of scenes. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And there's no there's narrative no, direction, really. He's like, where, where are we going with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the parent, okay, uh, uh, the bird scene, which was terrible. <laughs> and he slaps his kid. The, the first act, you're, you kind of like these parents. You really, you know, they're funny. They're a good sense of humor. They're, you know, they're being parents. And the next scene, he's pretty much slapping, his, <laughs> slapping Jesse and blaming him for the bird. Like he set him on fire. And... <laughs> 
the dad's being abusive all so where the fuck did that come <laughs> yeah, from it's inconsistent although the dad is like a sort of old school sort of 1950s sort of no nonsense type father figure you know who would don't forget this back in the 80s where kids still would have got hit you know what I mean? Teachers fucking hit us. I can remember, you know, corporal punishment being hit by teachers, you know. So, you know, it, it is sort of consistent for the time where, you know, while he was a loving father, he was also like sort of no-nonsense as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it just it was out of character. Mm-hmm. Just make any sense. <laughs> um, he should have been structured that way in the beginning. Then. Well, there's inconsistency, certainly, where one minute he's like the, the sort of comic foil and then the next minute he's like, you know, being a bastard. You know, like, now, like Judge, or not Judge, fucking, um, what do you call him, Coach Snyder. <laughs> now, you've got um, 30 minutes into this, and there's not one death. Yeah, I know. And now we're in the, now this is what I don't get. The the, the gay bar scene, okay? Yes. He, you play it like he's in a dream. I know. But he, but he and because you have the fog. And he's going into this uh, bar, and it's obviously a kind of a biker bar, but we know where they're it's going. It's an S&M. With it. and, yeah. and, and then the coach uh, catches him drinking, and he, he makes him go to the gym or something, and then he gets obviously whipped. Um, it's just and weird. And that, I just, yeah. I thought he was in a dream. So did I. Um, because, you know, I couldn't remember exactly, you know, the, the, the details, you know, because I hadn't seen it in such a while. I mean, is this a dream or is this? Is it? But from sort of thinking about it, although it's not made quite clear, well, it sort of is. But it feels like a dream. But he's basically in a trance. But yet, yes. But yet they play. But that's why that's why, that's why I think it's misleading. Because what they do is they put a fog over the bar, yes. and they, they it's it's and then in the shower it's all steamy and foggy. I think they were they were trying to mislead us. Like, oh, is this a dream or not? Well, obviously we know. That it's Jesse who kills the coach yes. because that's Freddie taking over for him, but it's possession part. But you're playing it like a dream. It's really doesn't make any um, sense. And what's weird as well um, is the fact that um, <laughs> Coach Snyder sees one of his students at his local. So as punishment, I don't know. I mean, again, it's more sort of gay, sort of over- overtness. But it's just a bit... So, as punishment, he decides to bring him back to the school in the middle of the night and make him run yeah. around the gym. Then the, possessed, yeah. then the possessed, Mark, possessed by Freddy, then gets the coach in the shower and <laughs> whips his bar arse with towels. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it, before gotten him. You know. I always remember that actor as um, he's, he's the guy who has Quato inside him in Total Recall. Yeah. He's done loads of things. Yeah. He's a character actor, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... I'm confused at what's happening here. Um, <laughs> the story structure should be pretty much the same as the original. Um, but, again, it's just poor... It's actually poorly directed. No one that, um, in retrospect... With the following sequels, I think the problem is that um, with the original and everything that followed, Freddy's main sort of base of operation is a dream world, but here it's in the real world too much. Um, again, it's inconsistent with the with the first film and, the, and what came after. So we're sort of watching this, and again, you know, rewatching it, and it's like, well, after many years, and saying, "What well, was this a dream?" Because, like you say, it, it's filmed like a dream with the fog and all that sort of thing. It's confusion. Yeah, because when he goes 
Everything's all over. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Wes Craven's right. Yeah. It's, they go to the power plant where he was murdered, I think. That's where they're yes, going. Yes, yes. And they, whatever, something happens, and he wakes up. He's in the boiler room or the basement of his house. Yeah. And he's got to run to his little sister's room mm-hmm. where he's, she's going to kill him. No, he's going to kill her. And then it cuts to, yeah. then it cuts to the barbecues. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's, there's just, yeah, it's the, the, the basically the, the problem I think is allowing Freddy to casually come into the real world. You know what I mean? Without any explanation, it's not like in the first one where it does happen. But Nancy has trailed him out. You know, it's part of her plan. You know, along with you know being MacGyver. Um, but um, it, it, it's just, it, 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 there's a lot of con- confusion here. You know, with what's the dream, uh, what's what's a dream and what's not, and and actually, actuality. If if you think about it, most of it happens in the real world. There's there's very little dreams here, if any. You know, yeah, there are so, obviously dreams, but the majority of it, um, of Freddy's scenes are actually in the real world. Now, you know, what the issue I have with the, uh, pretty much all of the sequels, maybe not quite all of them, but uh, most of them is. They're fucking throwing together quickly, and it comes across as they're throwing. The, it's like pump another one out, pump another one out, get the bums on seats, make more money, uh, instead of like taking a couple of years refining a script. Some of the some of the later sequels they didn't even have a completed script when they were making them. Yeah, that's that's on the produ- that's on the production team, the studio yes. having a, having a date already. For, yeah, um, before the script's completed. Yeah, it's just like s- pump them out, pump them out. And it's not fair on the actors and, and ultimately the audience members as well, you know? Well, I mean, it, so Jesse, a really awkward scene in the in the pool pool house. Oh, the, 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 um, the sex scene? And, well, it wasn't a sex scene. No, no but it set up. Was... Well, he, he leaves and he and all of a sudden we cut to, we're in Ron's room. <laughs> and well, there you go. There's a little innuendo. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's talking to him. He says, blah, 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 I need help. It's actually, Mark's very good in this scene, actually. Yes. Uh, they're both very good in this scene. And then the metamorphosis scene, which is the best shot in the film. Yeah, with the eye and stuff. Yeah, and he comes out of uh, of his body. Mm-hmm. And and there's Ron going, oh, help me, help me, help me. For like 20 minutes, this was way prolonged, and we got nothing out of it. Yeah. We it, just saw um, blood <laughs> coming through the door. R- Ron's dad is fucking even more useless. Because, like, Ron's fucking screaming for what feels like an eternity. And his dad eventually comes up and goes, what's the matter, son? <laughs> you, know? you know? And then we cut to, after that, the pull scene, which is, what the... F- he's just killing things for the... Yeah. You're this all is, my children what the fuck are we now. watching? You know? And Lisa, um, her dad's, like, flipping burgers and stuff. And, no, he's, he's fu- he eventually fucks off with the wife. Um, yeah. and again, it's uh, more of a case where the, um, the kids all look in their 30s and the parents all look like grandparents. <laughs> you know? But I get that they have to sort of do that if they're casting sort of ones in their 20s as teenagers. Yeah. You know? It, it, it's funny this whole time Lisa's so calm and, and collect. Well, she's the and, male lead. She's, she, and yep, then. The cool, calm, collected male lead. And, and then. I can't. Um, Jesse's character is covered in blood. He goes back to the pool. I don't know how far they lived. They must be neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he goes, he goes, he's covered in Ron's blood. He missed, I believe I killed him. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then 
yeah, the slaughter goes happens. Well, well what happens is, um, what do you call it? Jesse falls behind the sofa and then comes back up from the sofa as Freddy. So he's now Freddy's taken over his body completely, and he's magically given him his clothes as well. Maybe they were under the settee or oh. something. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Do, do, do you see the pool massacre? Um, it's in and of itself. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, and and um, you know, with the the whole sort of what went on in the first film, but it's it's reasonably decent scene. In fact, it's the scene I remember most about this film from watching it as a kid. What this pool is terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's it has sir Freddy jumping out of the pool is quite a cool effect, you know. And and, and oh, w- dude, w- with I, the flames oh, whatever, behind him man. saying whatever with the flames behind him saying you're all my children now. But generally, it, it, it's a bit, it's out of place, you know? Yeah, but it's not good. You're saying, you're giving it, you know, if it's a separate scene and you put it in a little box, you like it. It is. No, I know that. Even, 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 but even, 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 itself. even, 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 you know, the execution's all over the place. Even a student says, who would do this? A student walks up to him and goes, everyone just stay calm. He's not going to hurt us. You're not going to hurt us. I mean, why? Come Most on. Most crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. It's you know some things are all right. Um, work for me. I, you, I, I, I would. Wait, I, are you saying the scene in the pool where the two dogs show up with these horrible faces that's not on the pool, them? That's later on. That's Isn't that's it? at the building site. I was just going to actually come to that. I was just going to say that the pool scene would have served as a, uh, even though it's nonsensical, it would have served as a better finale than whenever they go to the building site later and there's the dogs with the fucking rubber masks on. The funny thing about that, I ta- I said that is the most stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's so poorly executed. Yes. With a film that has pretty good effects. Yes, I know. And then I remember this being done back in 1979 with the Evasion of Body yes, Snatchers. Yes. And it's 300 times well, better. Well, again, I watched the documentary and the special effects guy who did the effects with the dogs said, admitted, he was working on Aliens at the same time for James Cameron. And he didn't give it um, the, the dogs in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 he didn't um, give it the time and effort that he should have because he was more focused on um, aliens working on aliens yeah and it does show yeah I mean it's it basically stuck a, f- a, f- a false face on a fucking couple of dogs <laughs> you know so stupid I could do that and the ending <laughs> and the ending of this is so stupid yeah I know where he literally comes out of Freddy's body well at least it saves a day it's just, what's he? I don't believe in you. You're not scary at all. She kisses him. Oh, okay. The end. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a final jump scare where they're back on the bus. Oh, fucking fuck. Did man. you notice who the bus driver was in the opening scene? Yeah, Freddie. Yeah, yeah, Robert Ungland. Yeah. Yeah, this is bad. This was uh, $3 million in May 30, so they're happy with that, I'm sure. Also, Robert Shea plays the barman. Um,. In the S yeah, I don't. I don't know why he did that, and he still says he doesn't think this was homoerotic. Come <laughs> on, there was literally an S and M club in it. <laughs> yeah, you're you're told to go to an S and M, and get and he brought his kids. Yeah, you know that. Robert Shea brought his kids. I know he did. I fucking crazy bastard. What the fuck <laughs> yeah. were you thinking to pick up pick out an outfit? Yeah, bring my kids. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Even the fucking store manager says, dude, Fuck. I don't think they should be in here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Fucking hell. But, you know, uh, you know it's, it's an oddity um, within the Elm Street series, but just as uh, with 80s horror in general. So, you know, there's certain things I do appreciate about it. Some good ideas there. A lot of the execution is, is poor, but there's certain there's a certain you know oddity and it sort of almost stands alone, which I like. But you it's know, flawed. I, I can't I can't give it a uh, you know I can't give it you a, like, give it a pass. I just can't. I'm on the fence. I do like I think I think most of the visual effects work, and I like the idea of the possession. Yes, and they really could have done something with that. And but no, this movie's a train wreck. This needs to be removed from the franchise. I would keep it in the franchise. Um, and I, quite frankly, it's the film that pretty much made me not a Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Right. Okay, yeah. Oh, I mean, fair enough. Uh, I'm sort of on the fence. There is the sort of strangeness and the how so different it is from what was to follow and what came before, uh, which I sort of appreciate, but it's, it's certainly flawed. So while I wouldn't give it an out, a pass, I certainly wouldn't give it a fail either because of the... You know that it's it's trying to go outside the box, and it certainly does go outside the box. But at times, it a lot of the times, the going outside of the box doesn't it hasn't pulled off. You know. Well, all right, and it's rushed. Yeah. Well, this is where it almost feels like Friday Thirteenth. Friday Thirteenth. It went from the first one, the Nightmare on Elm Street, went from Friday Thirteenth Part One. And then part two of Nightmare on Elm Street went all the way to Jason Takes Manhattan. And now they pull everything back and they get our Friday 13th part two with Nightmare 3. Yes. If that makes any sense. No, no, it's back to the, it, my, it, it goes back to its roots, so to speak. Yeah. My whole thing, well, it helps that Wes co-wrote it. So it helps where I always say, and I'll say it again, a good sequel, you should be able to remove the credits and play it as one mm-hmm. film. And three does that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So we're back here with Nightmare and Elm Street three, Dream Warriors. <laughs> Dream Warriors. Shit Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off. And I like me at each Talking fucking rock. But that's just a step two. In my it. dreams, <laughs> that's actually better than the the Duncan version. Fuck and that's off. fucking horrendous. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we've talked Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont before. Those guys were kind of like the buddies in the 80s with Hell Knight and Graveyard Shift and The Blob, which we just recently talked yes. about. Um, so well, The Blob came after this, actually. So this was Chuck Russell's first, you know, kind of a big outing. Um, I'm kind of, I don't know his back catalog before this, but I'm pretty sure it was just in producing and writing and so forth. So uh, rumor has he was very difficult to work with. Um I think he's just not an actor's director, which a lot of people are like that. Uh, Lucas, I think, is like that. Uh, Kubrick is probably like that. It's more of he feels like the actors are there to do their job, and I'm there to do mine. Yeah, Hedgecock apparently was uh, like and, that and, as and, well. And there's, let me, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, however, I think Chuck Russell is a young director at this point. I think he should have realized this is a young, no-name no cast besides Heather Leathercamp coming back and John Saxon. The other actors, most of these actors in here are, are, are young and they're kind of learning their craft. So I, you, you did need that little, you need to be a little more supportive of them. Apparently he wasn't think, very pleasant to the first scene that Patricia Arquette shot for it. She was just up and coming at the time. This may have been her first film. And apparently that's... It is her first and film. And apparently yeah. that just set the tone 
for her and the rest of the film. It's it's actually the scene again. I saw it in the documentary. It's a scene where she's um, at the start, one near the start, where she's cut herself and she's in the um, mental hospital and she's threatening them with a scalpel. It was that scene, and it was like they didn't get to her scene to four a.m. or something, and she couldn't remember her lines. And I think he gave her a rough time, and that just set the tone for the rest of the filming, apparently. Well, whatever it is, whatever actors have grudges against you or vice versa. The fucking movie works. So, <laughs> well, it doesn't. It I mean, I mean, it, well, uh, it I, it yeah, there, yeah, there, there's flaws here. Yeah, but we talked about the acting in the first one and in the second one. This is far, far much better acting in this. Better film, characters as well, including including from Heather Leatherkamp herself, who I gave a hard time with Nightmare on Elm Street, but I did say on that podcast that she finds her niche. Along along her career path, and this this is that I mean this is one of them. She's a lot more competent in this film. Yeah, well, she's more to do apart from being you know the sort of annoying teen. She's actually given you know a bit of a role. But I I would say that the, the characters themselves, the, the Dream Warriors, are very memorable and um, very likable as well. I have to say, uh, my favorite character um, would be Kincaid. <laughs> He's funny as fuck. <laughs> Uh, well, they all they all bring something to the table. They're all Jennifer Rubin idiots, as well. Really. Yeah, Jennifer Rubin, who I loved, who plays uh, Tyrant. Yes. She, I love about her. I had a big crush on her in the eighties. She did a film right after this, exact same plot, but with but better. Yeah. It's called Bad Dreams, yeah. and you guys should check it out. I'm not going to talk about it right away. I I finally got a copy on Blu-ray. I'm very excited. Watch it. It's got a great twist in it. Uh, it's got Bruce Abbott in it, who's really good. And just good, good young cast, including our very own here, uh, Jennifer Rubin. I had the pleasure of interviewing um, her as well a few years ago. She's very nice. Wow, name drop. <laughs> wow, wow. Gets an award nomination, and all of a sudden we're name dropping too. <laughs> well, yeah, me and my old buddy Jennifer, you know, you know, Jan, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this one, we got kind of a bigger cast: Doctor Sims, Dad's back, Jennifer, Max, Will, Nurse Booby, yeah, uh, <laughs> Philip, Tyron, <laughs> Joey, Kincaid, Kristen, Doctor Neil, uh, Freddie, and of course Nancy. So you got Greg Washington in this one, who I like. Greg Washington in the eighties. Yeah. He, he kind of disappeared. Yeah. Don't know what happened to him. He still does stuff. He's been actively working, but he's like, is that that guy from what? Because he did he did um, a couple of great films. Ghost Story. You guys want to see a film? Ghost Story was his big break. That's a Stroud one, the Peter Stroud one. Yeah. Yes, and then he did uh, Body Double, Brian De Palma's Body Double, which kind of like a remake of Rear Window. So he was just up and coming, but he never found his footing. Yeah. And then this is kind of like his swan song in the I 80s. I like the um, older actress as well who plays, you know, the doctor... On the ward, who's um, Doctor Sims? Yes, Dr. yes, Sims. yes, she's very cute. She's a hundred and one right still now. Still alive? Yes. Uh-huh. Hundred. Yeah. Good. Lawrence Fishburne cool. in there as well, um, in one of his early roles. Lawrence Fishburne plays Max. Yep. You've got you know John Saxon back. Yep. You've got really, I, I really do, and Patricia, Patricia, we know Patricia Arquette will go on to do True Romance and do Medium oh, and great, great career, but and when 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 Grammy and at Grammys when to. Uh, Golden Globes and all for the media. Yes. So she she's had a great career. Um, Jennifer Rubin went on to do some good stuff. They've all, I mean, th- this is by far the best cast of all the Nightmare on That's great. Besides New Nightmare, we'll, we'll get yeah, to Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, and of course, there, we're introduced to a bit of backstory on Freddy as well with his mother, the nun, 
quite, quite. And I like, and I liked it because they got rid of the stupid silliness of the second one, and they went back to the dark tone. And the dark tone, I mean, is his story. There is some silliness as well with whenever like they become like the wizard master and stuff. I'm not talking. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not yes, talking no, the, about the, that. the backstory here is dark, very dark. Yes, and they needed back. They need to go back to this. I mean, um, I mean, Jesus, the bastard child of a thousand maniacs. That's, I mean, the pedophile, Freddy Krueger. Let, let us not forget. You know what I mean? But they never mentioned. I that. know. I was. I have this. They say he's a child killer. Yes. They kind of pull away. See when Freddy does his tongue thing. That's a nod to him being a pedophile. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really see. It. Well, in the first one, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of walk away from the pedophile thing. They don't even mention it anymore. Yeah. So, which is because at this point, he's got a cartoon out. I think he's got the TV show going. He's doing fucking videos. He's doing he's this. A rapper. So you can't you can't sit there now and start let's let's really go for the pedophile yeah, thing. Yeah, well, exactly. Now. It's a weird one because you know what I mean. Freddie was a, a huge hit with the kids. I was one of those kids back in the eighties. You know. Um, on both sides of the pond, you know, um, it, it was a, it was a bit of a f- phenomenon, and you know, you know, um, so yeah, once you start selling toys of pedophiles, you know, you know, it, it's not a good look, you know, you know what next, Jimmy Savile toys, you know, <laughs> fuck me, like you know, so you know, <laughs> Bill Cosby action figures, yeah, yeah, well, this is it, you know, so it's definitely um. weird one. But again, it was you know, the eighties, you know, where you have like Ghostbusters and Dan Aykroyd's getting a blue job from a ghost, and you know, <laughs> you know. Um, wow, we just we just went there. Yeah, well, it, it's it's in the film. I didn't make the film, you know. So, <laughs> why is it that all the mothers in this series are all boozing whores? <laughs> yeah, I know, and quite uh, they're, they're bitches as well to to their daughters. Uh, are you know? The, 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 the <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it is a weird one. It's like I've got so, a guy down here, you know. Uh, and uh, <laughs> wait, hey, where's the bourbon? <laughs> you know, like, here's the fucking like, bourbon. You know, when he, when he becomes Freddy, you know. <laughs> I do like I do like Kristen's intro. Uh, the music, by the way, in this film is terrible. Um, but it's very generic. It's alright. Yeah. No disrespect, but I'm gonna say it. His name's Charles Band. He didn't. I don't think he did the score for this, but it sounds oh, very no, Charles no, no, Band, no. who's directed. Bad Lamenti, it is. Oh, it's terrible. And he went on to, well, not went on at the time. He was he was also doing um and went on to do major scores for with David Lynch and Twin Peaks, iconic scores yeah. from Holland to Ride. I, I I know that, but he, it's this is crap. I don't care what he went, what he needed, and I, it's terrible. It sounds very Charles Band, and Charles Band is direct to video kind of stuff, mm-hmm. full moon entertainment. I never liked it. It's very keyboard driven well, and very just drab in one note. Scores, nothing like do, you know. Yeah, of course he'd find his nits with Lynch and all, but here this is terrible. This is terrible. They should have called it. They shouldn't have had no music. <laughs> They they should have just had me humming. Well, at least we still, but we'll still have the one, two. Freddy's coming for you. Yeah, you gotta have that. You gotta have that. Yeah. All right, so we established the mother as a whore, <laughs> and then we've got Kristen. I do like her intro, where she's in the dream, and I do like the sink attacking her. That's kind of clever. Yeah. And then looking like she's but you know she's a peg on kill, the table trying to kill herself. And I do like that to get her into where we need to be, which is 
uh, Western Hills Hospital. Yes. The pig on the table and stuff is pretty cool as well. Kevin Yeager, special effects. Why are you why, why are you talking about the pig on the table? Is that the is that the opening scene? Yeah, where where it. Oh, that's right. It is. Yeah, right, where it, right. it like sort yeah. of jumps up at her from the table. Uh, this will be our second time talking about the drug hypnocell. Yes, yes. <laughs> We've talked about drug. it during yeah. Freddy versus Jason. Um, so, yeah, so there we go. We got Doc Neal and Nancy. Nancy shows up. She's like a student of psychiatry or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she's basically an intern, and she's basically on work experience um, in the, basically the, the asylum, for want of a better word. For these disturbed kids who have, you know, especially on this ward, who all of the kids here are are, are the final Elm Street kids, um, are, are the final kids of of the parents who killed Freddy. There's a when Doc Neal is talking to Nancy. Yes, he tells her about the different patients, and he tells about how, the, how they're a little wound up at the moment. And I I wanted to see this scene where he talks about one of the one of the kids. Taking a razor blade and cutting his eyelids off so he doesn't fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gruesome. Like, yeah. Um, I'm like, fuck, I want to see that scene. <laughs> and you call me a sicko? Fuck me. That would have been no, cool. No, no, I mean, they could have done I don't want fucking crippled wizard boy. They could have. Oh, that's on. I didn't. The special effects. joking, people. The, the special effects guys um, could have actually made something pretty cooler with, like, you know, cutting the eyelids off and then being Freddy's eyes or something, you know? I could have done something, you know? Um, I do think the gore here, I do think the setups of the dreams are cool, uh, but I, I think some of the the gore itself, it, it I don't know how to go with it because the scenes are still good. Um, like with Philip. With special effects really good. showcases, the, basically. The, yeah, the Philip, when his veins become, he becomes like a, a puppet. You know, a, he becomes a, a, a marionette. Yes. And he like because he likes to make them, and his veins are the strings. Yes. And then Freddie cuts the the veins, and he falls to his death. But there's very little gore. I know it sounds like it's the veins and all, but I think you get what I'm for saying. For the time, he, for the time, it was. I remember certainly what the effects are. Yeah, effects are awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. For the time, but I remember think, feeling it was very gory, especially with the veins getting ripped out and stuff. But it's it's you know, um, you know, certain, there's there's great stop motion animation here as well. Um, and certainly in that scene, puppet scene, where Freddy be- first becomes like a, a puppet before he becomes real Freddy type thing, and then starts, you know, with the veins. It's it's pretty gory for the time. I mean, obviously, you know, in later years, we would have had, you know, much more gory films, you know, like Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, for example, you know, and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, but it's it's hard to take seriously. It's, it's what I would describe as cartoon gore and violence, you know. Yeah, it it's not offensive. No, yeah, you, you don't like and with, the, with the, like you know, it's 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 on that gray area. So you don't see they they getting their throats ripped out or anything like that. Yeah, you don't think it, that oh this could really happen in the real world. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, but it's it is a solid death for Phillips. He's, it's a small intro for him. He gets up you know, off pretty quick, but it's definitely the most memorable. I do think the deaths in here want the deaths in this one. Are pretty fair what we get. Yeah, the TV girl as well, you know, welcome to primetime, bitch. That's pretty good as well, you know, with Zarzar Gabor and stuff. <laughs> yeah, Dick Cavett. Yes, yes. Um, so they're meeting all these patients, and I think the meetings, 
like I said, the actors are pretty good. Um, this is where Nancy kind of drops, let's do Hypnosil on these kids. And the doc's like, fuck that, we're not doing that. Yeah, and he's researched the truth. And then 10 minutes later, and then 10 minutes later, let's do it. Yes, that's right. Uh, because he fancies her, you know, you know. So he's like prepared yeah, to break all really no, sort yeah. of medical morals and all this here because, you know. They work, I'll tell you what, the actors work well together. Yes, they do. They look, but... There's no chemistry. Nah, I mean, he, I'm talking love chem, like yeah, you know. yeah, sexual chemistry. I mean, yeah, he, he, he looks a lot older. I mean, he is a lot older than her. Um, so you know, um, but yeah, there's no real sort of you. You're not sitting there thinking, you know, oh, I, I really hope they get together at the end. You know, you don't give a shit. You're just like, <laughs> wish Freddie would turn up and just like kill somebody creatively again. You know. Now, unlike the last one, the kills come pretty, pretty quickly here. And they're very memorable. And in the uh, yeah, like the first two we just talked about, when Jennifer gets it with the TV, yes. Philip gets it, you know, the marionette style. Um, it's quite fun, and it's quite fun too, and 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 done well. Yeah, uh, they've cut back on the pedo talk. It's more about he's a child murderer in this one. Yeah, and Nancy um, has, like you said, has something to do in this one. So. She's she's come out of her shell acting wise, and she's doing a good job of kind of being there, their, their, being their protector. The great thing about the film, it doesn't fucking dumb us, dumb us down with exploitation. We oh, this is this guy, and then he did this, and blah. We know we know the story. We don't need no backstory. You can add to the backstory. That's fine. We we do with the mother, and but they don't. There's no expose. Yeah, there's no this over the head to the it, point. because it's because it's well written. Uh, I mean, I do have issues with certain plot elements, but for things like this with back backstories, and so it, it's like little lines dropped in, you know, here and there. It's actually, you know, what I mean. It's done subtly and professionally. It's a professionally written script by Craven Darabont and the gang. Chuck Russell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. And what I liked about it was in the first one, you're, 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 they're claustrophobic because they can't sleep. Because if they do get to sleep, they're putting their little dream, mm -hmm. you know, with Freddie. But they've got the whole world around around them. They got their school. They got their friends. This one, they're claustrophobic twice. You know, they're 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 more embedded because they they can't fall asleep because they're scared of Freddie. But now they're in a prison like situation where the, now they can't go anywhere. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they're on a lockdown situation where kind of like that fucking movie we saw, which should have, should have been good. Double blind. Yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah. Well, 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 well this, yeah, they're basically trapped, um, in the real world, but also in the dream world, you know? Like yeah. You said, um, they're fucked. Yeah. They're fucked. Yeah. Um, exactly. And yeah, pretty much. I do have issues with the uh, idea of Kirsten being able to pull people into her dreams. I mean, that's fucking gobbledygook nonsense. And you, we're never given any, any explanation. She's basically a superhero. Um, and we're never given a, any explanation how she acquired this power. It's just, yeah, Kirsten, she's pretty cool. She can drag people into her dreams. At that, like, don't get me wrong. I loved this film as a kid, but as an adult, revisiting it uh, you, you do notice stuff like this and, uh, and it does jar for me personally anyway but uh, see uh, i'm the kind of the opposite here i can't believe um i i'm like they're they're kind of keeping the tone of the original 
but they're like, but they're just expanding on the on Freddy universe a little bit. And I do like the fact that Nancy tells them use your inner strength. You know uh, what you, you know, use your power. You. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the greatest. And I do like the fact the kid in the wheelchair can walk. Yeah, I um, I do. And well, it was Freddy. I, it was through an encounter, uh, an off-screen encounter with Freddy that he lost a part of his legs. Yeah, they mentioned. Yes. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kincaid's, you know, super strength. Yes. I guess Christian's a gymnast. I thought that was stupid. Yeah, I know. But, uh, he can do somersault, <laughs> which is a superhero. I would say, however, while it is nonsensical, you know, the <clears throat> the especially with her being able to pull people into their dreams, it, overall, it's very entertaining. It is. It's not boring. No, it's not. And the I, and you're not rolling. And here's the great thing about it. Yeah, you might not go with it, but you're not rolling your eyes with it like you would the second exactly, one. Exactly, yes. It, it, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a fun film. So, Joey gets it with Booby Lady. <laughs> yeah, that scene. Because um, I, I was maybe, well, maybe a year or two younger than he's supposed to be in this. So, yeah, that scene with Booby Nurse, Nurse Boob, um, <laughs> that had an effect on me as a kid as well, never mind fucking him. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you probably had your as fucking... teenage boy. Paper, you probably, this is probably last night. <laughs> yeah, <no>. Fucking... <laughs> yeah, I, they have a... They have a so let's just say a teenage see boy, I wouldn't have said no to Nurse um, Boob. Um, I, I, could, I, I can see the, uh, the director's cut. There's a scene where Max walks in on Joey. He... he He's his pants are soaking wet, and he's neck and he's he's got bath tissue by the side of his bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jesus, what's his dream? I want that one. <laughs> I would happily let Freddy attack me if it if it meant um, having ten minutes with Nurse Booby. <laughs> uh, Nurse Booby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus. You don't, you don't um, get that in Belfast Royal Hospital, <laughs> the Royal Victoria. <laughs> I do love the scene where this is all stupid. So they fire Doc Neal because he, Dr. Sims said he was giving him hypnosil. Dr. Sims is right. I know they're all said, oh, she's about bitch and all, you know, all this. No, no, she is right. right. What he did was wrong. It's not an, FD, it's not an FDA approved drug. You're it's completely fucked. unprofessional. <laughs> yes. So he's walking outside the car with his box, you know, as you do when you get fired. Yes. <laughs> and he spills the box. And there's a picture of the two of the dead kids. Yeah. And they're having lunch to picnic together with the doctor. <laughs> right. I'm like, what the fuck? No, that's to like sort of ramp up the emotion. Obviously, you know, where it's you <laughs> yeah. know, they were good kids. You know, I love those kids. You know, I'm a good guy. You know, that's for the audience I, to like sort of. To be I, love, I love the goat. Even though um, Nurse Sims, or not Nurse Sims, Doctor Sims, was fucking right. <laughs> What's yeah, the kid on? T- <laughs> when you see, <clears throat> when you see. Uh, uh, ghost nun. Yeah. <laughs> and ghost nun's pretty good. Nancy creepy. follows her and she tells her the story. Yeah. There was a girl who was trapped uh, during Christmas Amanda time. Amanda Kruger. And, and she got raped by a bunch of. It's actually a very ugly story. That's what Freddie yeah. born through Bastard Son of a Thousand Maniacs. Mm-hmm. Uh, very dark tone. And this movie, besides, it does have some com- comic elements. It actually is quite dark toned. Oh, yeah. um, but as he's telling the story, at the end, we find out that the, 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 the nun was the 
was actually Freddie's mother. Yes. I'm like, no offense, I knew that was Freddie's mother yeah, the first I met it's her. It's obvious. I mean, like, <laughs> it's not. It's not like a fucking twist here. Yeah, right? it's not like a big shock. Or like I wasn't like sort of sitting there with my mouth wide open, going, "Whoa!" You know what I mean? It's not like the end of the usual suspects or or, or Bruce Willis is a ghost. You know. <laughs> Uh, so they go to find the father. The father's drunk. What's with the fucking drunken parents here? Yeah. So they go meet him, and they need to find out where they buried Freddy so they can bury and burn the bones. And so, A, why is the father helping them right away? Because he should be, because he knows what happened the last time. And second of all, why is he drunk all of a sudden? And this is more important than anything else. Why is John Saxon even in this? <laughs> uh, I think he probably um, came back for Wes Craven because of Wes Craven's involvement. Um, you know, I, I, it's always great to see John Saxon. It makes sense for the story as well because, you know, Nancy's returning. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't blame him for coming back and it's good to see him. Um, why is he a drunk? Well, it's his guilt, you know, the trauma of, first of all, causing all this by killing Freddy because um, he was one of the parents, don't forget as well, but also the fact that him and Nancy are estranged. Also, did you notice as well, he's no longer a cop. He's a, his, his uniform is actually a security guard. He's been demoted. So yeah, That's the way it always is, isn't it? Well, that's it. He's getting it rough. and uh, I, I, I'm i sad to see him getting killed, I have to admit. You know what I mean? But it, it makes sense as well for his sort of character's arc, you know? Um, although it's a bit of a shit death, to be fair. You know, he just gets fucked by skeleton. You know, Jason and the Argonauts, Freddy. I actually liked it. I got his death. Yes, I, I, I get. But I do love the skeleton stop motion. Oh, it's, stuff. Br- it's brilliantly done. Uh, I like that. It's fun. Yeah, and it is a huge um, homage to Harryhausen. You know. Yeah, they even said that. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now Taron gets it. Um, in all fantasy, they give these kids these powers. And nothing happens. Yeah, they're fucking useless. See, Taron's like, I'm a badass. And I'm not gonna take any shit. Well, he kills her in like half a second. <laughs> well, Jennifer Rubin like, wow. in the documentary has admitted she even cringes at the line, you know, where in my dreams, I'm powerful and bad. <laughs> you know, with, yeah, with like, fuck me. Yeah. And then he sticks needles in it. What a rush. He's like, oh, Again, man. another memorable death. Yeah, it was a good death. The uh, eyes, wizard. you know, with the, you know, the, the puncher wounds from the, the needles. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And Wizard Boy gets it. I don't care. Aye, Wizard Boy. Again, it's fantasy elements that sort of I, I jarred a bit, jarred a bit for me with this one as well. You know, with the whole sort of, especially when he becomes, you know, Wizard Boy. You know, uh, Kikade. I love when the two girls are by themselves. They're the last of them, and Kikade comes through the wall like fucking Kool Aid Man. I, I, I fucking love Kikade. Uh, I did. I thought this was character was stupid. I, I, I think he's the best. He's the best lines, but. Uh, and, and he's a brilliant delivery of the lines. Um, um, you know the actor. You know what he's saying. <clears throat> they're saying. Um, they're, they're having the meeting. What they're saying. It's straight talking in here. You know, one of the the group meetings, the group therapy se- sessions, and the, I think it's um, Doctor Sims says. You know, it's usually to do with um, you know, sexual thoughts or whatever. He goes, "Oh, great! Now it's my dick's trying to kill me." <laughs> he's the best lines. Yeah, I do like the the shot where Freddie pulls up his shirt and you got. All these children the in his chest. Yeah. And he's like, it's the souls of, of, of my children giving me strength or something. It's a pretty creepy line, yeah. actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to who he actually originally yeah. is. I can't now, I, never, I didn't get, when he kills John Saxon, as they're going to bury the bones, he knocks over uh, Dr. Neil, the guy, and he, he, you know, Dr. Neil's unconscious in the grave. They were going to put Freddie yes. in. 
and Freddy disappears. Yeah, th- I th- that's odd. That it's it, it, why did he kill him? Exactly. Or well, well, I think the skeleton. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. The skeleton. Um, skeleton Freddy starts to shovel the dirt onto him. Um, to bury him alive, but then the bones just collapse. But is that because he, <coughs> I think the explanation that isn't really made clear is that F- Freddy is now distracted by what's going on in the dream world, you know, with the dream warriors. Yeah, so he's going back. And yes, forth. yes, pre- yes. That's yeah, yeah, that's it. Although it's not made too clear, maybe. It, um, but basically, Freddy is now he can't be in two places at once. All right. So he's back to the dream world to fight Kincaid and the gang and Taron. Okay. And 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 right. Patricia Arquette doing somersaults for some reason. Yeah. Well, he ends up burying the bones and burning them, and Freddy's dead. But he kills Nancy. But he kills Nancy. Yeah. I like that. It, it's a good it's a good setup for it. Actually, Nancy's death, where it's Ghost John Saxon um, goes. I've crossed over to the other side. You know what I mean? I just want to say that I love you, and then he just turns. Oh, I thought that was fucking. <laughs> it's corny as hell. I mean, this whole film is corny, but it's it's fun. And oh, that wasn't John Saxon though. That was Freddie. Yes, I know. That's what I mean. It's the but it's, it, Oh, that was to let her know that pretty much I killed your father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I do like that because when she comes back, she's not in the second one, obviously. Mm-hmm. So all this, all the fans are like, "Oh, she's back. This is great." And then you kill her. Yeah. So I do like that. Yeah. And, well, she uh, saves the day, you know. Yeah, she saves the day. Yeah. So much better than the piece of shit we just talked about. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, this made like 40-something million. This made this was the biggest box. This was their biggest hit. Yeah. And it went on to make Until we four. get to... Fr- yeah. yeah. Four did pretty good, but we'll get to four and five next. Mm-hmm. Four is directed by Renee Harlan, one of my favorite directors. Renee, Renee so, Harlan, actually, again, going back to the documentary, he comes across as a really likable guy, actually. Yeah, he seems like he'd be fun to work yep. with. But we'll dive into him. Um, and the next one. Yep. So there you go, everyone. Uh, that's wrapped up on part two and three. Two is shit. Three is quite confident. Well, I would say uh, two has its merits, but it certainly has its flaws. And three, for me, is nonsensical, um, but at the same time, really entertaining. Yeah, two. Yeah, one, one and three so far get passes on my... Um, mm-hmm. On my Freddy radar. Yeah. But that's going to change pretty Your quickly. Your radar? Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, I have nothing much to add here. What do you got? Anything? No? Uh, well. Not about the movie. Just anything else you want to add? Yeah, I, w- I would like to say that coming very soon, I would say, well, in about a week, will be the Phantasmagoria Hellraiser Special, um, which will be available throughout the world from Amazon and other select stores including the Phantasmagoria website, or store on the website, and Forbidden Planet International Belfast. So this this will be going out um, once this um, podcast goes live. Uh, give it about a week, and um, yeah, Pinhead is on the way. You're a Pinhead. <laughs> and now I'm a cool way. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm Kincaid, and you're, I don't know, you're fucking wizard boy. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. No way! I'll be like, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I'll be the I'll be the doctor who saves the day. <laughs> I just want nurse booby. <laughs> you be, you be, you can be the nurse who gets. Right. <laughs> Forget it. You can be the nun. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> Fuck off! You be Freddy's dad. 
Freddy's mom. Actually, Freddy's dad is later on played by Alice Cooper in a later film. Oh, God, yeah, we'll get to that shit. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, uh, give us a shout at CitizenFrame underscore podcast on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, got some stuff coming up in the near future here. We always say that. We never do anything. But this time I kind of mean it, I think. And uh, so, yeah, there you go. That's all I've got. Uh, you guys take care of yourselves. Chat soon.